0: <clears throat> so we are in the second half of the atonement um and <laughs> i think i forgot to do this i think i just started it last week actually so um never mind i'm not too far behind but um I, I like looking up the artwork um in this workbook it's all from one artist throughout the entire workbook and um taking a look at these in uh the full color so i'm just doing a google search for any of these and and pulling them up on on wikipedia commons um so the first one is is on page 48 for what we're reading tonight anyway um then this one is that he heals the lame and then um the next one is on page 50 for jesus bearing the cross and so these are I don't know. I just find these so interesting because they depict these scenes in um, different nuanced ways that I, I may not have considered before. Um, I, I like the the coloring and, and and some of these different things that are brought forth with those. But anyway,
1: I just have to talk about this one because <laughs> I've never seen him that bent down carrying the cross.
0: Yeah, he always seems like he, he's kind of got it.
1: Yeah. And I know that we all have challenges and things that we're facing. Isn't that what it feels like?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That seems like a real heavy cross right there.
1: Yeah. And don't we all, I mean, no matter what we're going through, doesn't it feel like it's very heavy? It's a heavy cross to bear. Yeah. And then when you think how heavy mine is and yours is and yours is and, but he bore it all. So. Yeah.
0: In relation to that, look at these others that, that have their, their wood, their cross to, to take up.
1: They oh, just, I couldn't see that, yeah. A,
0: a simple mantle there versus his massive one. And I find this interesting up here um, that these uh, men are, I'm guessing men, yeah, one has a beard, are are
1: They're just uh, ease, right?
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> that is interesting. It looks like they have front row seats there. As yes. he's passing, but it looks like they're, they're leaving. They can't handle it. Mm-hmm. Are they feeling some remorse or I don't know um, why he's kind of depicted as don't, doesn't it look like they're all getting up and leaving there?
0: Yeah. Well, at first I thought they were just kind of at the front of the stage here, but like this one, his hand is on the chair as if he's like in the act of getting up.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. and I,
0: I wonder if it's because this this man has stepped forward to help christ and they're getting up to like maybe oh scold him or you know i don't know like uh-huh. what the the artist intent here but um very interesting uh all of these postures and stuff. Anyway, like the the colors are very drab down here but these ones are very bright and austere and
2: anyway I felt
1: like they felt like their job was done and they don't want to be a part of the dirty work and have Mm -hmm. to yeah yeah that's what I was thinking yeah like because they
0: know how this ends now
1: yeah and it was like our job is done we're washing our hands the dirty work is yeah yeah
0: I'm like this guy over here he seems kind of giant like look at his legs compared to I don't know <laughs> i might be nitpicking but like what's he reaching into his bag for like why is this person in the painting and and what does this sign say like i well, have some questions
1: <laughs> yeah but is that the sign they end up putting on the cross
0: that's what i'm
2: wondering yeah uh-huh.
1: oh now
2: that guy looks really short and a little doesn't he mm-hmm. almost Just like a like little boy or like a boy yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. yeah he is just bent over but also think about where that cross is he was beat across his back
0: yeah exactly like that had to have been really painful and he probably wasn't clothed but like right just just very interesting and and that's kind of the the purpose of of art isn't it to like evoke emotions and and cause us to ponder on on different things
1: is that the crown of thorns is that what it's supposed to be because it looks so different
0: yeah it's it very stylized in in a new way that i have never seen depicted before
1: this yeah. would get more of
2: the head this way we usually see it just a ring around the head you know mm-hmm. but look that would be poking him all over
1: that makes me wonder if that was like if he did research into yeah I don't know. I guess the i guess the um Romans didn't typically do that though they did that as a mockery mm-hmm. oh mhm. Uh-huh. so as I was gonna say do research into like how the Romans typically did that, but it wasn't the wrong- i mean it was wasn't it, but it wasn't I don't know, but it was a mockery of him being the king
2: mm mm-hmm.
1: so mm-hmm. they wouldn't have done that to other people Mm-hmm.
0: yeah very interesting um and then taking a a look kind of back at this one i i find his use of colors very interesting mm-hmm. uh, a lot of times they're just kind of more muted but he uses like pops of color um especially with the, the onlookers you know the the poor and needy the ones that are helping are, are never super bright uh, except for this one the <laughs> coat of many colors but um uh, the, the fad just, <laughs> fad <just used> this fadges <laughs> fadges is this
2: pharisees and
0: sadducees are are usually in the in the back with bright colors and very showy yeah like what are these white ones over here and i don't know i we should just have for an artist
1: chat (laughs) that one looks kind of angry in the background that you were just pointing out off to the side
0: Mm -hmm. yeah
1: not that one keep going yeah that one
0: Mm -hmm. because this one's like smiling these ones are kind of snickering this one's angry he's like holding them back or something
1: that makes you wonder if it's one of the apostles yeah Mm -hmm. holding everyone back Uh that's what i was wondering too
2: gosh alicia we're thinking alike here yeah
1: (laughs) we are (laughs) we are
2: Uh, yeah Mm
1: -hmm. wow thanks for showing those to us cameron
2: Uh yep Yeah, I
0: I haven't taken a a look at those before (laughs) because I've forgotten that earlier group, but anyway, um, so with the uh, Book of Mormon verses we're starting on page 45 there's that first Nephi reference there or um, any of these others, but um, we can just kind of start and go through them or do any of them really stand out to you and you want to make sure to to talk about those real quick before we get going. I don't know. I have so many different things all over the place.
1: (laughs) uh, I always wonder, like in that first Nephi one, like as the prophets taught about Christ and what was going to happen, and they were looking forward to it.
2: mm -hmm.
1: But just like the atonement, just like the resurrection, I mean, it had never happened. Yeah. Yeah. So they're describing something that's completely foreign for us. We're looking back at something that just seems I don't want to say natural, but familiar. I guess that's the Mm -hmm. right word to use. It seems familiar where for them, it would have been like, I just think the emotion that to see that, I don't know. I just Mm -hmm. think, I don't know. I just think it would have been something and then try to explain it to everyone. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. If you weren't familiar with Romans and crucifixion and, you know, just any of that kind of stuff. Many times, Nephi even talks about um, in in his writings how um, some of his posterity and stuff just weren't even uh, didn't know the the whereabouts of of Jerusalem, the lay of the land, and and things. You know, so you have to kind of know some of those nuances to to understand uh, greater parts of what Nephi is talking and, and sharing about here.
1: Now, of course, Lehi and maybe Nephi they would have been familiar with
0: yeah and here in chapter 11 the
1: syrians would they have been i mean the syrians came in after they left but still i mean there was that tradition of because there were some really bad things that happened to their people Mm -hmm. in the past and so they would have been a little bit more connected with that because of them being from jerusalem but i mean decades down the line, hundreds of years down the line, they weren't that was all foreign. They weren't familiar with but then again they had the Lamanites that were kind of bad too. So yeah. and torturous and whatever. And so I don't know, but I just still think it would have been hard to explain yeah. what was happening and and why where we have the benefit of history. Mm-hmm. Kind of like us looking forward to the second coming how is that how is that going to be so many
0: different little hopefully in
1: a decade or so we'll go oh that's how it was (laughs) (laughs) yep oh yeah anyway
0: but yeah it's very interesting looking at prophets that have received like the cosmic vision and uh being able to see um back to you know like McConkie uh, talks about in his uh, general conference address where uh, you see the three gardens and and seeing how things played out and, and what those looked like um back then but uh like you said we have the the history perspective versus them looking forward it's quite amazing mm-hmm. uh, it's just an extra testimony that they did see what they saw or else um they are really good guessers, <laughs> right? They all
1: described it the same, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. So they. I have mean, these. not
1: just not just the Book of Mormon, but the Old Testament also, right? and yeah. And the, I'm I'm sure we have it in the Pearl of Great Price too,
2: mm-hmm.
1: from Moses and Abraham. Yeah, and there's Nephi for one, and
2: it's before Christ is even born yeah
1: oh yeah
2: it's way before this even happens and he's describing that mm-hmm. yeah. they
1: all are i mean mosiah and yeah. Alma, king benjamin and then mm-hmm. yeah they're all talking about it prior to
0: mm-hmm. so this uh last couple of weeks i've been trying to create like an all-encompassing comprehensive list of everyone that's seen christ or seen god the father or, or jehovah like just just a whole list of of all the different uh, canon of scripture that we have and it's amazing because I, I start out in the old testament and kind of working my way through but it's just as prominent now in the restoration as as it was back then and for some reason growing up I just had preconceived notions that, oh yeah, God used to, He doesn't really anymore kind of a thing, but um, it's just as available to us as it as it was to any of them and and they all provide a pattern. I mean that's basically what Scripture is is prophets who who figured out the process, had it revealed to them and and them telling us, okay, here's how I did it. Now you might, I mean, it's kind of like this great compilation of hear him videos, like our our modern prophets and apostles are are doing now, right? Mm
2: -hmm. This is how
0: I hear him. This is how it works for me. And, and, and we are all reading scripture and figuring the the pattern and process out and how it applies to us so that we can um, also.
1: Yeah, but I feel like they all kind of say read between the lines.
0: Uh yeah
1: (laughs) it's not just out there for anyone right
0: yeah exactly
1: kind of a I don't want to say a parable but you have to dig a little bit
0: yeah because there's certain things that are just had between you and God and and everything that that isn't yeah is is written about so that you can uh, do that but but, yeah you have to read between the lines there Mm -hmm. for the sacred
1: yep hear what I'm saying
0: (laughs) (laughs) To help for sure so in that next one the second nephi 2 7 um i found this one very interesting uh, my antenna go off because it's chiastic in nature right anytime that we have uh, things being repeated and, and phrases there um but i i find it very interesting what this is is communicating about the the atonement because At first glance, it it kind of jarringly seemed like the atonement only applies to a certain group of people that fill a certain list of of requirements right. So I I just want to read through it and and kind of dive into into what the the chiasm is is teaching us there, it says, behold, he authoreth himself a sacrifice for sin to answer the ends of the law unto all those who have a broken heart and a contrite spirit. And unto none else can the ends of the law be answered. And so I, I realized that my, my first glance was was wrong because pulling out the, the chiastic uh, structure of it, it's very much pointing to the fact that unless you have a broken heart and a contrite spirit, the ends of the law can't be answered. But the atonement is universal. But in order to receive the the ends of the law or to have them be answered it is another thing entirely and um if we're looking in our context of of that scripture uh second nephi 2 is very chiastic i mean there's overarching chiasmus and then there's all these little individual ones that are are in there um but verse 10 in that i don't know if i still have it up so i, I copied and paid yep i do just a second. Let me screen share that one. So here's verse 10 that also um, kind of talk about this. Actually, let me pull down to the color coordinated. So verse 10 says, and because of the intercession for all, because of this grand atonement, all men come unto God. So it, it is a universally applied um intercession a sacrifice for everyone wherefore they stand in the presence of him to be judged of him according to the truth and holiness which is in him so here's where this chiasm matches the the first one in verse 7 it says wherefore the ends of the law which the holy one hath given unto the inflicting of the punishment which is affixed which punishment that is affixed is in opposition to that of the happiness which is affixed to answer the ends of the atonement. And so I guess that's where I, I come up with the um, the ends of of the law being the ends of the atonement is is here from verse 10 um, because it, um, it, it finishes with that and, and puts that atonement back into the ends of the law versus the ends of the atonement.
1: I'm curious how you put the broken heart as the punishment that's affixed and the contract spirit of happiness.
0: Well, that one was my my working theory, but I haven't um, because as I'm I'm charting out like chiastic things, I always have to like take a a step back and look at the entire chapter. And I was just doing a word search on um, the ends of the law. So this is my working theory, but uh, based on these two specific chiastic structures. But I could be totally wrong um, if there are things in the middle that. Are are different interpretations or different patterns there, but um, here's why I put that as my working theory so far is because the ends of the the law uh, being highlighted in yellow and they are bracketing these two main points, and so here with B uh, B is really long but B prime is very short, and then here it's just the reverse so b is short but b prime is very long and so it it kind of in my brain was like oh so the the two parts of of b prime here might match the the two parts of b up in in this section and so i don't know it it was just something that i was considering and mulling over but it's not necessarily a correct answer or anything but but go with me on that that journey for a second so the punishment that is affixed is in opposition to that of the happiness, which is affixed.
2: Mm-hmm. And so
0: punishment being a broken heart, something, anytime that we're breaking something um, that uh, in, in Hebrew, uh, a breaking or a, a cutting of a covenant um, is is typically in that, uh, I, I guess, punishment kind of category that the cutting asunder, under, but a contrite spirit um Oftentimes in our repentance, we we kind of look at contrite spirit in a negative. But it with with Hebrew and and spirit, we're we're usually talking in the positive. But again, that that's just my like working theory. I I could be totally wet and and all wrong on that. But um, that's why I highlighted them that way.
1: Anyway, hey, I want to offer something. I'm just wondering in seven where it says he offereth himself a sacrifice for sin. Isn't that part of the atonement that's at the end of chapter uh, verse ten?
0: uh-huh, yeah, um Lisa had pointed that out in in Group A so that um a sacrifice for sin if we were to highlight that, I don't know say in that one and the atonement here mm-hmm. and if we also
1: and the intercession, yeah,
0: intercession for all would also be another one
1: yeah, it would
0: and so that makes me because yes if we have it at the beginning and at the end and then there's like this middle one it makes but me that
1: middle one, those are the two parts of the atonement the sacrifice and the intercession
0: uh-huh yeah and so maybe that's um like i really do want to spend more time and dive into verses eight and nine to see how they pull this whole um chiasm together um but but like I said all of chapter two is very chiastic I mean it's it's like a Hebrew masterpiece <laughs> and so um uh, taking a one little snapshot and stuff sometimes is is a little difficult but anyway I, I found those kind of interesting as we're we're looking here at the the atonement in, in the workbook anyway
1: so on this second Nephi 2 7 again
2: mm-hmm
1: obviously we're reading it, okay, he offers his, himself as a sacrifice for sin, to answer the ends of the law. For who? All those who have a broken heart and a contrite spirit, and no one else. Can the ends of the law be answered? So is it only for those who have a broken heart and contrite spirit? But then it says unto all, but it's unto all. And then the qualifier is have a broken heart. I'm just wondering because mm-hmm. the sacrifice for sin is to answer the ends of the law. And then there's a condition.
0: Yeah. Which I, I thought super interesting when I, when I first read it. I'm like, wait a minute. Have has my whole preconception that the atonement's a free gift for all kind of a thing? Um was that wrong? But then in verse 10 it corrects that, that um, you know. All men come into God and to stand in presence and, and be judged of him, etc. So it, it it is in a universal one. But there's something about the specific answering of the ends of the law that requires the broken heart and a contrite spirit. So okay, we have well, that makes, go mm, ahead, sorry. So there's that interesting um, uh, tie-in with with grace versus mercy or the the grace versus works. So we have to have works, right? Like we're the ones that choose to have a broken heart and a contrite spirit. That's something that we can offer upon the altar versus there's some things that only God can grant us. It, no amount of work can can achieve it. And that's where the intercession comes in. But answering the ends of the law, the justice and, and mercy um, require us to put forth some, some work And and that is a broken heart and a contrite spirit, which, in the new law, we do with the ordinance of the sacrament, kind of a thing. I I don't know. That's where my brain's like trying to to wrap around it and 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 work it in.
1: Well, see, and I thought, what's the sacrifice of sin? Is that the the death and the resurrection? I thought that was a free gift to everyone, which is kind of what you said, but Mm -hmm. the intercession is repentance, and so here it seems. Kind of flipped
0: yeah it it seems almost it should be the other way around almost but Uh yeah
1: i don't
0: know is
1: it semantic i mean is it semantics of course this didn't go through a whole bunch of translations like the Mm -hmm. bible
0: yeah and and again the whole chapter might totally clear everything up where we're just taking kind of like this (laughs) little two peepholes into second nephi two here um but but yeah, it, it seems almost counterintuitive, um, but I think that there's a, a lot to be learned from it. So yeah, second Nephi 2 is like on my list for the week of, I really need to dive in and, and understand Nephi's full context for, for all of this.
1: I'm going to hop off for a little bit um, and say prayer with my husband.
0: Mm-hmm, you're good. Yeah. Um, so... Taking a look at, what, what's another one that we should kind of like dive into? Right, there's so many fun <laughs> verses here, but. I like um, Alma 7, 11 through 12. Um, so just kind of reading through it really quick. And he says, and he shall go forth suffering pains and afflictions and temptations of every kind. Um So I think it's interesting like the the patterns of three that are that are being pulled out here but. And this that the word might be fulfilled which he saith, he will take upon him the pains and sicknesses of his people. And he will take upon him death that he may loose the bands of death which bind his people and he will take upon him their infirmities. That his bowels may be filled with mercy, according to the flesh, that he may know, according to the flesh, how to succor his people, according to their infirmities. And so I found that very interesting in the respect of like a threefold atonement, because often in my brain, I tried to well I, I, I typically pull it into two, right? There's the the, the cross and Gethsemane, uh, the the death and the the, the suffering. And so um, I found this very interesting uh, when he takes upon him three different categories of, of things here pains and sicknesses, death and the infirmities. That his bells may be filled with mercy and then there's like three different kind of blessings uh, or outcomes of those those three different things that he takes upon him so i found that very interesting and i i have so many different like <laughs> homework assignments from uh section of scriptures but i want to go back through scriptures and see if if the uh christ's atonement is, is often separated into threes, or, or is it mostly just twos? And this is kind of an outlier one that, that has three different ones or... Anyway, I I, I just love ALMA. It kind of turned on a light bulb for me to, to go further studying.
2: Yeah, let's see.
1: Cameron, it's amazing that here he was without any sin, but he takes ours sins individually upon him, and and bore them. That that's just amazing.
0: It is, isn't it? I like how all of these verses, especially the the restoration scriptures here, how um, it makes a point of his condescension that he has to become one with us in order for. Him to redeem us for us to overcome, kind of thing. That that he would choose that, and and that that was the plan. And um, many of these these verses talk about the the blood. He he pays that through the blood. He he becomes mortal with with that blood and uh, choosing to to do that. Yeah, I love that. <clears throat> Other ones. Which ones, Mother, were we talking about in Group A? I remember it was D and C, but which one was it in?
2: Okay. um, Second Nephi 11.5. Gotcha, yeah. And um, D and C 76.
0: Yeah, those are very interesting ones.
2: I don't know. I botched it so bad trying to explain <laughs> it in <laughs> At five o'clock i don't know but i mean those two just really meant a lot to me mm-hmm. i can try again but
0: i don't know <laughs> these covenants of the the fathers is, is such a huge um i don't know how to like describe it, it kind of like a, a different paradigm shift for me on um that that Christ does this, but the importance of the covenants of the fathers in order to even have the blessing of the atonement, um, I I think is, is what's kind of shifting for me. Um,
2: that's like, it made me ask myself, like, was that a necessary thing that they do that for the atonement to take place would it have taken place had not that happened it seems like that was an integral part of bringing this on it was necessary did you uh-huh. get that feeling
0: yeah yeah because yeah. that was the question that um i think i wrote it down somewhere <laughs> but I'd, I'd forgotten it until you just barely said that but um that was the question that popped into my head after these verses was would the savior have performed the atonement without the prior covenants with the fathers um were they necessary to enable him to to condescend and to to atone for us so i'm talking covenants with the fathers being um specifically adam and and then it's uh, renewed through uh many of well all of the the patriarchs but also in in the premortal councils the 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 covenants entered into the covenants with the fathers there because the the everlasting covenant is not just a mortal thing for, for this world that was also in um, the pre-mortal uh, existence there. And so without, I, I botched it again. <laughs> so were those covenants necessary in order for Christ to, to atone? Um, Could he have done it without those those prior covenants or were they prerequisites for the atonement?
2: So when uh, I was talking through this at five o'clock, I realized what we're talking here that these are Davidic covenants that are being made. Adam's making it for his posterity, you know, to, to help his posterity. So he's standing in as like a vassal, you know, Mm -hmm. and the same way with the Abrahamic covenant. He's doing the same thing. And and Enoch, I mean, he he stepped in there and he's like doing a covenant for us in our time. He wants to come back here and help us, you know. Um, Anyway. So they're performing these Davidic covenants. And it was brought out that, you know, our prophet today is is doing the same. And even Christ's atonement is a Davidic covenant. I mean the you just one of all. Yeah.
0: The very ultimate that can actually mm-hmm.
2: But like... it, it seems like they just all kind of play into each other like they were all necessary.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah
2: I don't know if we understand it all totally yeah but it it is starting to open up some some things for me anyway that I've been thinking about
0: yeah and so tying in dnc 76 with it um it, it's I think it's basically there in in 69 so the the last part of what's quoted uh, it says these are they who are just men made perfect through jesus the mediator of the new covenant so jesus is the one that actually mediates which um we're talking with with our covenant language right we have god and then we have an intercessor or a mediator who um makes a covenant on our behalf for our protection for our well-being and so he is the one that mediates that new covenant um yeah because we we've had all of the covenants prior right there's the everlasting covenant etc Then here this is the mediator of the new covenant mean renewed or or reissued who wrought out his this perfect atonement through the shedding of his own blood rather than that the blood of of beasts and animals and lambs and goats and all that um he offers as he's renewing it um and is becoming the, the mediator of it, um, shedding off his own blood.
2: And like um, our temple president gave that devotional here about a month ago, and and he, uh, he charted that out, and he had three columns. In the first column, he had the New and Everlasting Covenant, They called it that in in Adam's day. And then on the the third column, he had the Abrahamic covenant. And they called it that in in their day, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all of them. And then he had in the middle was us. And we have the higher law that that Christ gave us. And, And then he said, all three of them are the same thing the covenant is the same mm-hmm. you know even though they they have different names in their time time period you know but they're all the same covenant they're to help save posterity and stuff yeah I don't know. anyway i love those even though i don't understand them totally <laughs>
0: so quite a few of these verses um deal with the the suffering right like i'm i'm looking at dnc 18 and the the one from dnc 19 um where he he suffered death in the flesh um he suffered the pain of all men um but the the reason that he's suffering it being brought out in in those two verses there that all men might repent and come unto him and uh, further explained in 19 that they might not suffer if they would repent so that that suffering is is key in our not having to go through that if we because there's some works involved in that right um if we'll repent we don't have to suffer Um, The the same things. And so I I find that very interesting um, throughout all of these uh, verses here that there's there's different little tie-ins. There's like a a keyword search on sufferings throughout the atonement, and and that yields uh, kind of a a subset of uh, interesting aspects, uh, fruits or, or gifts from the atonement. Um, but there's there's also like the the key research on on blood and and how that um, really works through. I, I mentioned this one before, but <laughs> um, in DNC thirty eight four, this one was like a huge aha moment for me um, when it says the the virtue of the blood. Um, my brain first goes back to like the the woman with the issue of blood, and how she said that or or I I guess Christ said, um, that, that virtue has gone from me in that instance. And so it was kind of a tie-in that there was virtue and blood, um, being mentioned in in this scripture, as well as in that that story in the new Testament. And so it kind of made me think about what that means. And if there was a a tie-in between these two, um, again, this is one of my homework assignments for the week that <laughs> I, I still haven't went through this full thing yet, but, um, how, when, when Christ said that, that virtue went from him, uh, a better translation of it is that energy went from him. There was an actual, uh, transmittal of, uh, uh of energy. Um, and, and, that is tied in with, with virtue. And then, um, here in dnc 38 by virtue of the blood which i have spilt or um the the life blood the energy of of my mortality which i have spilt have i pleaded before the father for them and how the the woman reaches forth and and all she needs to do is touch the hem of his garment which is is where his, his priesthood lies his his priesthood lineage his um his authority and aren't we likewise to touch the same in order to be healed like how many years was she with that issue of blood I mean it was incurable that no one could solve it likewise we cannot overcome mortality ourselves we are are basically the the woman the church that with the issue of blood that cannot be solved like we are subject to, to death and hell but as we touch the hem of his garment, as we reach forward and uh, perform that act of faith, that virtue from his blood can come and and heal us and uh, allow us to, to come into his presence um, and have that same sort of interaction with him. Um, anyway, so yeah, my, my homework assignment for the week is, is to look at DNC 38, that, that whole section, and really uh, pull out the nuances and, and tie that in with that New Testament story of of the virtue of the blood and um, see if there's more tie-ins that um, I, I haven't understood before. But I think that that's super interesting.
2: There, there's a lot
0: to blood and there's a lot to... How do I say this without going into it? <laughs> Rabbit hole. Uh, There's a lot to to marrow uh, that that is in our bones, um, and how that that works with our blood in a mortal sense, and and what that looks like um, with atonement and translation and and resurrection. Uh, Anyway, I don't know. I kind of in the weeds.
2: It was something that he needed to do immortality because blood's the only place that there is I mean mortality's the only place there is blood mm-hmm. so he couldn't like just wait till you know after like in the next uh, what am I trying to say mortality
0: the next life the next yeah season.
2: Yeah. he couldn't wait because he had to do it in mortality
0: mm-hmm
2: he had to come down to our level and do it in other way words.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I fully support you down that blood rabbit hole. <laughs>
0: <laughs> How long ago was that on there? I, I spent like a good month and a half on just marrow and and really searching that through lots of <laughs> of scriptures and, and things but like what does <laughs> I'm, I'm going down that rabbit hole um what does marrow do it, it produces the I, i'm not all sciency. i should have brushed up on this before i teased it out but but it it provides like the red blood cells for us right um i i believe and um It's basically the the life force that um, sustains us. If we have a a marrow condition, then we become weakened and and, and sickly and and are prone to so many different um, things. And so um, as we are being blessed with marrow, that that's a huge blessing to um it's basically giving of life um that that we have that and um (laughs) i'm botching it without like going back and getting all of my notes and and things on it because there's obviously lots of of sacred overlap right with with our ordinances but um what does marrow look like in a translated being? And and there's surprisingly quite a few scriptures that that talk about, well, they they hint at things um, in that. Because we have uh, flesh and blood as mortal beings, right? But in a translated being, we have um, flesh and bones. And so is there still marrow in, in a translated being or in a resurrected being? Or is that marrow now overcome and it's just the outer shell of, of a marrow? And so <laughs> I don't know. I'll, I'll leave you to, to do the, the full study on, on all the scriptures that, that talk about it. But uh, it's very interesting. Look up marrow, look at, at Hebrew origin words and, and things. And it's just very interesting.
2: You've never thought about that before. But it's really interesting.
0: <laughs> I tell you, it, it, it's so fun to just read the dictionary and like do word searches it's like one of my new favorite things i used to hate reading and writing and arithmetic and all that kind of stuff but but now i'm full on i'll just pick up the 1828 webster's dictionary and just look at entries and and just figure out where the the rabbit hole takes me or open up the topical guide or the bible dictionary and just be like hmm, i've never once considered that um that's a whole nother tangent but like dnc 84 oath and covenant of the priesthood that's the one that has just been like boom in in front of my brain this week um because i was just doing a word study on one of my breaks in the temple and um the word study led me to dnc 84 and i started reading 84 going oh my gosh how many times have i read this and i never understood it and now oh and that, and that and that like there's so much like read it from beginning to end and and just stop and really pause and consider each word uh, even before you get to the actual oath whoa there anyway 84 <laughs> my deep dive at the moment um not that that has anything to do with marrow or atonement or <laughs> <I> love it <laughs> i think i was talking about my nerdiness yep there it came <laughs>
1: It's okay to be nerdy about the gospel. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: and this is
1: my friend Connie, by the way, that joined our crew.
0: Oh, hello. <laughs> I was wondering, I was like, do I know a Connie? I, I, I don't know if I do, but <laughs> everyone's welcome all the time. Thank
2: you. <laughs> when I told my dad that I was inviting her, he thought I said Billy Graham, and he's <laughs> like, he's not around anymore. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Inviting dead people.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, I love it. But yeah. Um yeah, I've got like notes all over the place, but I'm not sure which one we should go to next. Oh, this was one that we haven't done in the other groups that I was wanting to do. So on the bottom of page forty-six Um, It gives a study suggestion, and it says to learn more about the atonement, go to the LDS Scripture Citation Index at uh, this website and search out the verses listed here to find what has been taught about them in past general conferences, and then select the, oh, it just gives instructions. So I wanted to do that real quick. Um,
2: Can you do that with anything?
0: Yeah, Citation Index is like one of the best tools we've ever done. Um. So you go to scriptures.byu.edu. Here we go. So um, you can just read the scriptures on the left hand side. and, And that's all well and good. But I mean, we can do those in gospel library too. But the citation index here on the right hand side is where we can go and backtrack. So, for example, I don't know, which one do we want to do? Let's look at, at 2 Nephi 2, 7, for example. Um, let's scroll down to Book of Mormon, 2 Nephi chapter 2, and we're looking at verse seven. So there's a couple different ways that it, it can come up. So here, um, six people have quoted verses six and seven together. Um, 18 people have quoted just verse seven. Uh, One person did a a footnote for seven and nine kind of a thing. So just kind of taking a dive for the ones that only quoted verse seven. um, Here we have uh, Tracy Browning, who just barely uh, spoke. Um, They've already got her talk on that. Usually it's, well, I guess it's November. So they have had time. They usually have it within the month, any of the new talks. Um, I don't even remember. Her talk, or his talk, or anyway. <laughs> um, Ulysses Suarez, Garrett Kong, all of these different people. So let's let's take a look at, at Russell M. Nelson, 1996, in his talk called The Atonement. And so it pulls up here, and all of his footnotes are gonna be listed in green, except for the one that we just clicked on is going to be the one in orange. And it's usually kind of toward the top, uh, depending on where it's at in the talk, but... Um, Here in uh, the paragraph about the atonement, uh, he talks about this verse as a footnote uh, to these couple statements here. It says, that brings us to the atonement. Paul says, as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. The atonement of Jesus Christ became the immortal creation. He volunteered to answer the ends of the law previously transgressed. And so that gives us a little bit of insight into what the ends of the law means. Um, and so he gives that, that footnote there. And he also says, go to hymn 191 Behold, the great redeemer die. Um, so I, I find that very interesting. I hadn't considered that. I really should use citation index a lot more than I, I do. Oh. But, um, uh huh, yeah.
2: What? does it became the immortal creation
0: yeah but
2: what does that I, mean was that
0: i i wonder so just doing like a simple find um for creation here in his talk he uses the word creation 14 times and so he talks about the creation the fall and then it, uh, he brings in this this atonement here so i don't know um here in the fall section he talks about the fall of adam and eve constituted the mortal creation and brought about the required changes in their bodies including the circulation of blood and the modifications as well and then later when he says the atonement of jesus christ became the immortal creation or the rebirth or Mm -hmm. kind of thing like it's very interesting uh, at his context here And how that helps us um, look at the ends of the law that 2 Nephi 2.7 is pointing towards.
2: Hmm, that is interesting.
0: And so let's just take a a look at another one. So is Linji Robbins the one that's quoted later on in this section? I believe so. Yeah, the righteous judge. So on on page 50 of the workbook, it's this one right here. Lynn G. Robbins gave a talk called The Righteous Judge, and they pulled out another quote and put it in the workbook for us. But we specifically are are looking here at 2 Nephi 2.7. Let's see what he quoted from it in his talk. Um, So, without sacrifice, a person may find it hard to forgive himself or herself because of a lingering conscience. Of something withheld. This and then this is the footnote. The sacrifice we offer on the altar of the sacrament table each week is a broken heart and a contrite spirit. See 2 Nephi 2, seven and 3 Nephi 9.20, DNC 59.8. A broken heart is a repentant heart, and a contrite spirit is an obedient spirit. And then more footnotes. But yeah. So you can literally do it with any. Let's see, how do I get I
1: don't
0: back to, and you can also do like a filter if you just want uh, profits or um, uh, specific speakers, Mm -hmm. um, you can do that as well. Oh, down here at the bottom is the, (laughs) I was trying to find, they moved the menu. Um, So if you click back on citation index, it brings us back to the whole um, contents um, of the scripture. So we could take a look at i don't know like a dnc one or or yeah anything.
2: let's do the dnc one on the glorified because uh-huh. you know, that meant a lot more to me this time going through. tell me the dnc 45 344
0: 45 three through four so one person has quoted all uh, both of those verses There's two people that did just three and there's three people that did just four but let's take the look look (laughs) sorry take a look at the one that did three and four and it's Joseph Fielding Smith in 1953 and it says. Okay, so just a second where are we at 45 three through four listen to him, who is the advocate with the father who is pleading okay um so. Oh, he's just quoting it verbatim here.
2: So it's in the, the latter part, so we probably need to go to one that's just quoting from 4. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So interesting. So this one, it, it's not, let's see, this is in the conference report for October 1953. Talks about Exodus. Interesting. OK, sorry, I, <laughs> I sometimes get sidetracked with Other things that i'm studying and like oh that kind of answered my question for that um go back to. How do I go back just one step, maybe the back button yep okay 45 verse four, and so we have Brian K Ashton D Todd and Ezra Taft so let's check out Ezra Taft, for example. I testify that Jesus was born into mortality with Mary as his mother and our heavenly father as his father. He lived a sinless life, providing us a perfect example. So that one doesn't talk about the glorified, does it? I don't believe so.
2: No, it does So
0: let's go with D. Todd Christofferson, see if he... <laughs> I don't see it in that one either. Neither. Shoot. So you're specifically—I don't know if we said it or not—but you're specifically looking for the word "glorified" and more information on it, right? Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, Um, because that's
0: an interesting word coming up lately in our Mm -hmm. studies.
2: Yeah.
0: How do we, as mere mortals, have any sort of anything in order to glory God or give God glory. How can we add upon his glory in any way being in the fallen state that that we are? That was kind of one of our, our questions in our science studies. And so we're that one came up here in this DNC 45 and we're like, ooh, that's why we're coming here to to kind of see.
2: But even with Jesus Christ, it in the things that we've been reading lately, it seems like it was necessary. That he glorify the Father through the atonement, and like this, like Heavenly Father needed to be glorified in some way. Um, Well,
1: wasn't that what Satan wanted? Was all the glory? So Christ is the opposite. Mm -hmm. He wasn't taking the glory; he had to give it to Mm. the Father. Uh huh. Yeah,
2: that's a good point, Alicia.
1: Hey, I wanted to ask, I was going to ask if these go back in conference report just to 74 like our scriptures. That's what I was
0: just going to show Yeah, that
1: was 53. I'm curious how far back it goes. It
0: it goes clear back. So there's lots of journal of discourses and things. Okay, so like here, this one from first Nephi, uh, we have one from Joseph Smith, we have one from Orson Pratt. Um, Anyway, so the citation index is every known actual public address spoken of as a prophet or somebody from the pulpit um, kind of a thing in any sort of official context Um, the citation index will have it listed there if it was in their footnotes uh, modern footnotes or back then if it was referenced or quoted or alluded to in any way um, they will have pulled that through so like for example um can't remember what the so second Nephi two seven that we were just talking about. Um, there is one from the Journal of Discourses from Heber C. Kimball. Like, see if that has anything here. Heber C. Kimball like one of my all-time favorites. He's like the best. he the lot he taught the people to seek to the Father with a broken heart and a contrite spirit, and so he gives that uh, verse there for that.
1: See what George Q. Cannon said. Let me
0: ask you and in asking you I ask myself, do you, when you go to the Lord, bring this offering, or do you go to God without asking him in this spirit and in this manner, if you go to the Lord with a broken heart and a contrite spirit he will show you all your faults. And all your weaknesses, and he will bring plainly before you, wherein you have come short in doing his will. And when you see yourself in this light of the spirit, instead of being filled with pride, you will feel to abase yourselves and bring yourselves down into the very dust of humility. Your own unworthiness will be so plain before you. If pride should come into your heart at any time, you will almost be shocked at it. And you will feel to put it away from you. That's probably one of the more powerful things I've ever written.
1: <laughs> and you know what? As you read that, I thought, isn't that a paradox? As we live in unworthiness, we become worthy. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's very interesting. So that the talk is called The Office of the Holy Spirit. I think that that's <laughs> an interesting title for a talk, which I have never once dove into. Like there we go there's another assignment of homework for me this week <laughs> such an interesting one but
2: that makes that, me want to read that whole talk
0: yeah, I know. It
1: does. see i love george q cannon i yeah. think he's he's kind of like heber c kimball they're both like how many apostles do you know mm-hmm. not very many but everybody still knows heber c kimball and george q cannon
2: mm-hmm.
1: yeah, yeah. I love George Q cannon
0: and so it's interesting with that context of the. uh, Because he's saying, let me ask you how many of you actually offer up a broken heart and a contrite spirit, how many of you go to the sacrament table. Literally taking your heart breaking it upon the altar and offering your contrite spirit there, because if you do, you will have all of this like I don't have that every single week. So am I doing it properly? And it's like, huh, very introspective questions here that th- he's pulling out. Like, I love that.
1: Hey, could you copy that link and put it in the
0: yeah, let in the, me, in the
1: show notes?
0: <laughs> let me see if that pops up to the same. Yeah, it does. OK, so let me, that'll pull
1: up go to go back thing. and read that.
0: Yeah, so we're using the citation index for, um, Just in case uh, that link breaks at at some point.
1: No, it. Oh, yeah. Okay, because it works. I just pulled it up.
0: Yeah. So it goes to Second Nephi two, verse seven is the one that we were looking at. That original verse right before you left. And then looking at all of the people that have quoted that in conference or, or yeah, other. I
1: was kind of watching you guys and I'm like, man, they're still on 2 7. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, we left and we did some tangents. Yeah. Back. <laughs> yeah.
1: And I was like, man, they're really doing a good deep dive again this week.
0: <laughs> but um, on page 46 at the very bottom, it says this little study suggestion and it says, to learn more about the atonement, go to the citation index and look at some of these scriptures. And so I just popped up to the top of the page to that first reference, and that's what we were looking at. <laughs> I promise we moved on. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, citation index is probably one of the best tools ever made to to study the prophets of, of the restoration. Like It has so much easy, accessible information. Um, uh, links there to, to be looking. Can you
1: just look up conference reports? Like I went on archive.org and I actually got some of the old conference conference reports like Brigham Young.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, uh-huh. I am not entirely sure. Okay, so they kind of move things around a little bit so like I was showing before on the left hand side is just the scriptures. so just like gospel library, you can click on any of those and read the verses of the scriptures. But on the right hand side is the actual citation index, where you click on it and then it'll show you all of the talks that it's mentioned in, but here at the bottom. Um, there's also a library speakers and a search, so if you click on the library, it brings up general conference 1942 to present. Journal of Discourses, which I'm not a super fan of anymore after Education Week, and then Topical Index to the Journal of Discourses, and then Scriptural Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith. I so don't it only goes see... back to
1: 1942 for General Conference.
0: Yeah, which is which is interesting. So I'm not sure, because this is from BYU and they keep it really up to date, so I would be super interested to, to learn where those other ones are or if they're
1: archive you can go to archive.org and i've looked them up Mm -hmm. and i i've had them i don't know if i linked to them but i know i was reading some of them just pulling up some to read
0: Mm -hmm. yeah very interesting i'm not sure why those would be missing from there
1: but if you go to archive.org i mean you start searching you can find out of print books
2: Mm-hmm.
1: About Joseph Smith. You can also find book bu- books about Joseph Smith that people don't <laughs> wow, like. Don't
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but there's really some interesting books that you can get on there. I love archive.org.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's also really great for family history. If you know that there's a family history book that in your family that's been written yeah. and it's out like out of print, out of copyright, you can get it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Interesting. Yeah. I, I never thought to to look for family history stuff on there before, but yeah.
1: Well, I did it by accident because my grandmother had a book that she was typing on her computer and made carbon copies. And I have and gave one to my dad. And then I have a copy of that, but she cites the book in it at the beginning. And so I went and did a Google search and that's how I found it in archive.org. Hmm. And um so yeah, you can find all sorts of really cool things on there.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So, um, I'm trying to think. My brain. <laughs> okay. So my brain was like, oh, we should probably, like at the end of class or whatever, tell this, but I'll probably forget it. So I'm going to say it now, but this is like totally tangential and <laughs> not related at all. But from our Sunday uh, uh, session, I guess you'd say, um, we were talking about Tim Mackey and the Bible Project and, and some of the fun tools and stuff. Um, and, and Kathy was mentioning um, something along these lines. I, I was reaching out to her to see if uh, this was the exact thing. But let me show you this fun um, new thing that they're doing in 2022 with uh, the Bible Project. Um, so let me just start off fresh. So BibleProject.com. I love Tim Mackey and, and all that the Bible Project does but if you click on classroom up here at the top i had never noticed this before and i've watched like a ton of his stuff um but anyway they have these classes and so um the one that we were kind of talking about um on on monday was the book of jonah and that that tim mackey has a few little things that are are cool but he has a 14 hour guided class on the book of jonah And I started, I'm like halfway through it. It is impeccable. It is so amazing. So like you click on it and um, it's just like any other class. It has um, uh, your topics and discussions. It has exercises and quizzes for you. Um, You click in, uh, I'm resuming this class here. Uh, You can watch it. It takes a, a second just to load, but I really love their interface um, with this this classroom here because I
1: love that they have handouts too.
0: Yeah, they have handouts. I mean, seriously, yeah, it is so amazing. Um, and so, on the left hand side of the screen, you're watching him and the the group participants, and then on the right hand side of the screen, it's it's a separate YouTube video, but they've got it linked and, and synced up so that you can watch his computer at the same time um just side by side
2: sorry that was loud it's a
0: word that concedes to the huge thing there. um so I want to answer when there is a verbatim quotation or near verbatim quotation anyway and so you can look at the transcript over here um you can look at the reader so like uh read the actual scriptures that he's quoting if you want to Um, And then just typing your ideas as they come to you, and they'll be saved in there, and then you can print them at the end of uh, the class kind of a thing. But I mean, he has put so much fun work into this, and let me tell you, his insights into Jonah, so the ones that I've listened to so far, it's like 14 hours long, um, but are amazing. Let me try to get back
1: to outdo the pickerings that I liked.
0: No, I, I love the way that he he does it. and it's all free like this isn't something that you have to pay for.
1: Not priestcraft.
0: Um, Yeah, and so um, the available classes right now are um, an exodus overview, but this is a, a different person there's I think two guests so far. Um, there's an introduction to the Hebrew Bible there's a, a class on heaven and earth and Adam to Noah Noah to Abraham the art of biblical words Paul's letter to the Ephesians and then these are the ones that he's going to be doing this next year um anyway some amazing fun things like I I love all bible project things but um this classrooms is my new favorite
1: (laughs) I drove down to um Rexburg today it's an hour it's an hour away Mm -hmm. and then I drove in I was running driving around and anyways I put on the Ezra and Nehemiah And it was like five hours long, so I didn't get to finish it yet. But yeah, it's been really good so far.
0: Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that was my first ever Tim Mackey um, thing was because it was when everybody started talking about. I think it was right off of Moss's video, and we were kind of myself. I was going into like Ezra, and I was like, huh, I've never read Ezra before or anything like that. And so Tim Mackey was my very first thing, and it was a four hour long. Uh, lecture on the the book of ezra and nehemiah and and all that that entails and i was like holy cow i'm sold <laughs> and it totally threw me into to the world of Ezra eagle and feathers and all that kind of stuff and
1: he, um he just loves like he loves it doesn't he you mm-hmm. can see the passion that he has yeah uh, i also wanted to share so i went down and got studded snow tires today <laughs> and, while I was waiting, they didn't tell me it would be an hour and a half to two hour wait. So while I was waiting, um, I decided to get on my Deseret Bookshelf and look up a book. I didn't know. Um, I tried to do the crosses one, considering the cross. Mm-hmm. But it was only audio, and I didn't have earbuds. I couldn't. I didn't. Bookshelf doesn't give it in print. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what I looked for, but I ended up finding this book called Our Glorious Mother Eve by beverly campbell oh uh
0: uh-huh.
1: have you read have, have any of you read that before
0: I, i've taken one of her classes before but I, I haven't read that book no
1: well on my little phone i'm on page 174 out of 1504 <laughs> <laughs> but so far it's been really really good so just a little plug for that book on eve mm-hmm. so. awesome. not not along long ezra not along long the atonement but
2: <laughs> but
0: yeah really, really
2: good fun. it was really good
0: mother eve you have to read it
1: yeah
2: um. Um. Uh-huh. Oh, go ahead.
0: i i was just gonna say sorry for for taking that rabbit hole and <laughs> total tangent <laughs> but <laughs> yeah you're good um any other um verses here that you you really want to talk about that that really stood out to you from this week
1: did you guys talk about mosiah 14 10 and 11
2: i don't think we did on that
1: one i just want to say something because it just seems odd but it doesn't when you take it anyways yet it pleased the lord to bruise him and and put him to grief um when thou shalt make his soul an offering first anyways Because you think, really, it pleased him? Like, you don't think of that as a quality of God, and yet that shows his love, their love for us, right? Yeah. um And then you have to kind of think, does it please him when we have challenges? Probably not. I mean, it didn't please him either, watching the Savior.
2: Yeah.
1: the grand purpose. And so the whole thing in life, is a grand purpose. And so it pleases him that we're here and that we have challenges and that we have learning experiences. And, you know, sometimes we learn in the wrong ways and that's okay because that's what we came here to do. So it pleases him.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I really wish we had like a lexicon for, for the book of Mormon to to look up the original words and stuff, because, because please does kind of seem a little interesting. Right. But, um, uh, I remember doing this, it's been a while, so don't quote me on it, but it seemed like please was um, often related to um, like, uh, like a proud parent or, or or something along those lines, right? Where you, you're you watching your kid on your bike and, and and they fall and scrape their knee and it's like, oh no, I, I know how that feels and I know that that really hurts. But you're one step closer to, to knowing how to actually ride that bike. Like uh, being pleased, like you are progressing, even though this moment is painful. You're on the right track, and and um, look at at the whole plan. We have lots of of, of descent. We have lots of of sacrifices and pain that we have to go through, but but know that like welcome to the brotherhood of suffering. This is this is the plan, so that we can exalt and and that we're on the right track when bad things happen to good people and and we're just learning through all of the 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 bruises and and things like it says there in that verse huh
1: i think i heard one time that you will never hear the word pride used to describe the lord that the word is always used because pride is is what we're trying to get rid of it in that george q canon wasn't pride what he talked about, like you need to get rid of pride. And so I don't think, I think you're right. Like it's a pride word, but it's, it's the opposite of pride.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And everything that we have now associated with it and stuff. So that pleased and yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Please. It's actually a perfect word.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I just, Yeah, I just, that's kind of seems weird. And yet when you look at it in the whole scheme of things, it's exactly right.
2: Mm -hmm. Is that verse referring to Jesus Christ or is that the end time servant?
0: That's also an interesting one. (laughs) Put us on a a sidetrack there.
1: It could Um, be both.
0: Yeah. Cause so it says, yet it pleased the Lord. And in the book of Mormon, Lord typically refers to Christ. Um, to bruise him, not necessarily referring to himself. He hath put him to grief when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed and he shall prolong his days. And so this is um, referring back or alluding to the Isaiah passages about uh, the end time servant um, that he employs to, uh, to bring about the... Um, Latter-day work and an usher in the second coming kind of thing. But yeah, regardless, uh, it, it applies to, to both in uh, uh, offering very good insights into uh, the type and shadow that that one is for the other. Yeah. It's interesting because I. Uh, <laughs> not taking us down another rabbit hole but uh with tim Mackey and um i was doing lots of like um messianic jewish deep dives this week um on different things and um how many people understand the the role of the end time servant and they realize that that is not um christ because christ is always enabling this end time servant um and, and they call him the end time servant too and stuff uh, the first time i ever heard about that was through studying isaiah and um uh, and, and things but like the rest of the world knows about it <laughs> yet um we as, as latter-day saints sometimes find that concept of very challenging to, to wrestle with but yeah like this mosiah reference there
1: mm-hmm. pointing to that Um, that last one on 47, Alma 34, 8 through 9. And now, behold, I will testify unto you of myself that these things are true. Behold, I say unto you that I do know the Christ shall come among the children of men. And and it just goes on, but just kind of going back to what we talked about at the beginning, like
2: mm-hmm.
1: his testimony, like I know this is true. And and it just makes me think like, do I know? Do I know that it's true that? his first coming was true. Do I know that the second, you know what I mean? Like, can I say it? like, he knows it. Cause he saw it. Yeah. And just what a strong testimony, like we can have a testimony of it, but it's more of a belief, like a hope of things to come. Right.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: He knows it. Yeah. And I think as we study the scriptures and, and these writings, then we can know it too.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's all there for us.
1: I don't think it's bad to base our testimony on theirs. Like that's what prophets. I mean, we're supposed to have our own testimony, but we have to have witnesses. Oh, can I just can I just share this email from my friend?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Um, she's the one that taught Hebrew at BYU. Um, and they're on a mission in Hong Kong right now. And when I said testimony, it made me think of this. This is such a good email. Let me just pull it up. Here it is. So she writes something to everybody. And then she calls this part of her letter the catch. Yesterday, we walked the pier and watched for about 30 minutes while an angler tried to land whatever was on the end of his line. His pole bent down so hard, I was sure the line would break. The other fishermen reeled in the poles and got out of the way. The fishermen pulled and struggled while all the other fishermen around them yelled their advice and encouragement. A crowd gathered, watching over the railing, trying to see through the murky water. People jumped out of the way as the angler had to move back and forth down the railing to follow his catch's strong pull. They returned to the rail, riveted. The ferry crew all watched from the big ferry boat parked there. After about 20 minutes of struggle, the catch zipped down towards where I was standing and for the first time came up enough to be seen and identified. For a quick moment, a few of us could see through the murky water and (coughs) that fast again, it dove down out of view. So many people were watching and waiting, but only a few of us saw for sure. We knew what the fisherman didn't even know himself, but our word traveled quickly through the crowd. Witnesses are important. 11 men saw and handled the plates of gold from which the Book of Mormon was translated. They got more than a quick glimpse. They got to touch them, handle them, and see the plates using their physical senses. None of them ever recanted or denied their experience, even after some of them left the church. Their testimonies are in the preface to the Book of Mormon. These men were as real as you and me, and so was their experience, and their words have traveled quickly through the crowd. As we stood at the rail, different people would come and go. I would tell them, what was on the line when they joined me there and they readily accepted my word, then watched and waited to see for themselves. In the remaining time we were able to stand there, the catch never rose enough to be seen again. We weren't able to stay long enough to see if the catch, if the fisherman landed his catch. If you're still watching and waiting at the rail to see for yourself, hold tight to the rail and don't let go. In time, as you stay focused and follow Moroni's instructions for how to receive a witness for yourself, you will be given the witness you desire. At the end of the Book of Mormon, Moroni writes, and when you shall receive these things, I would exhort you that you would ask God, the eternal father, in the name of Christ, if these things are not true. And if you shall ask with a sincere heart, with real intent, having faith in Christ, he will manifest the truth of it unto you by the power of the Holy Ghost. And by the power of the Holy Ghost, you may know the truth of all things. We love you and we think of you often. Anyway, so she closes it. And then at the end, she says, oh, P.S., I didn't tell you what was on the end of the line. Scroll down and I'll tell you. A stingray, a very feisty stingray. (laughs) Interesting. But I love how she wove that through. Like her experience, everybody just took their word for it. Mm -hmm. She knows, she knows, she knows what it is. She saw it. And how often do we, you know, we read Moroni's words and then we go, yeah, but I don't, we just discount it or not, maybe not we, but people discount it um, and don't take the words of a witness that saw it mm-hmm. so anyways, thank you for letting me share that because i really loved that email about um holding hold onto the rail hold tight just like they were to watch and see and anyway
2: mm-hmm.
0: and the importance of that, that yeah,
1: the importance of witnesses like we take witnesses today and and their their word why don't we do that with the prophets in the scriptures or hopefully we do
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. I think
1: we do. Anyway.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: yeah. All right. Well, unless anybody has uh, another one that they really want to talk about, <laughs> I've kept you long enough tonight. Um, so, since there are quite a few different little interruptions and, and things, so next week is Avraham's Q&A for anyone that would like to attend that. Um, and then the the next Sunday is a Latter-day Saints thing. And we were already gonna take the, the last two weeks off. So we're just going to, uh, with tonight, take a, a break until January um, and resume again January 3rd um with uh, chapter nine the authority of jesus christ um we'll we'll pick it up at that point um I, i'm sure if anybody wants to hop on chat discuss or anything but uh, as far as uh, reading assignments and, and everything we'll we'll give people a break since we've got so many different interruptions here in in december
1: you will send out a text to remind us though right
0: yeah i totally forgot to today didn't
1: i oh no no Well, that's not what i was saying because i just was yeah, like oh I get one but i got one sunday so i just went on but i'm just saying when january 3rd comes around
0: yeah
1: i be like oh wait did we start already
0: yeah so i'll send out an email explaining uh the holidays for everyone and what we're doing next year um so Uh, for Connie's benefit, since uh, you're new here, if uh, you want to jump on the bandwagon, we've got a a fun schedule uh, lined up for next year. Um, So we're going to be doing topical guide, and that's going to be on Sundays and Tuesdays, Um, just whichever one works best for your schedule, Uh, they're all going to be the the same. And then we are starting a biblical Hebrew study group on Thursday evenings, and then uh, Saturday mornings, we are um, going to be Doing a a few different little books um, uh, from Avraham Gileadi. So, me and my mom host a a book club uh, for the Isaiah Institute. And so, that one's going to have a different Zoom link. Um, But, uh, so we're going to be doing a book on uh, identifying modern idolatry, uh, a book on, and and these are just like little short books, um, and a book on becoming kings and queens of the Gentiles. And then um, a twenty-four part lecture series on dreams, visions, and near-death experiences compared to the prophecies of Isaiah, um, and so that'll be Saturday mornings if, if you're interested in that. But yeah, we've we've got lots of <laughs> interesting things happening uh, all the time. But uh, if you're interested, um, are you
1: gonna are you gonna talk a little bit more about the books to get for Hebrew? Did you change them?
0: Yes, yeah, I, I've changed them, so you won't have to necessarily worry. If you've already got them, those are going to be great because we're going to be using a lot um, anyway. of those. But um, there, there were a few people that were saying that that was going to be kind of hard because I've, <laughs> I'm putting you guys through your paces. There's, there's a lot of books to buy next year, um, and so uh, coming up with lots of good free resources, and um, we're going to be showing a lot of the those books. Um, on the actual discussions in class and stuff so they won't be totally necessary to buy yourself but if you want them they're they're great ones to have but but yes i'm going to be sending out an email i, I really need to get that done this week on uh okay everyone uh, we, we haven't talked uh or, or caught up or whatever so here's kind of a revamp on on what we're thinking for the hebrew study group and um and all of that information uh, i'll send that out uh
1: so you're still going to use the same books, but use free because I talked to you once before and you said you were going to use different books.
0: Uh huh. Yeah. So for the because there's a Hebrew vocab class and there's a Hebrew grammar right. class. And so for the Hebrew vocab, um, Yes, I totally revamped the way that we're going to be doing. Like those books just aren't necessary at all, Uh, because I'll I'll be showing all the create slides with all of that information, so those ones won't be necessary. Um, Because I've I found this this free Aleph with Beth course that's so awesome. Me and my mom have been taking it, and, and it's super fun and and totally free on YouTube. And then the Hebrew grammar, we are still going to be using my originally recommended books. Um, for that one, um, but just revamping the way that we're approaching it so that if you can't buy the books, that they're on our our presentations, kind of a thing. Um, so if you are going to invest in some books, I, you know, I would still probably recommend those those grammar books for the the, the second half. But um, as far as the vocab ones, yeah, that's the one that's really revamped and changed. There's. Well,
1: then maybe just the grammar possible. books is all we need
0: yeah the grammar books if you really want to dive into those i would uh, i'm a little
1: discouraged i have to say about the hebrew class oh yeah (laughs) well because at the beginning of tim Mackey's uh ezra nehemiah he goes yeah this is my 20th year having studied hebrew and i still don't even get it all (laughs) huh (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> I know. And and even with the Aleph with Beth, um, Andrew on there, he, he says, okay, hopefully that we, we're not trying to like dash your expectations, but at the same time, let's get some realistic expectations here on, you're not going to be able to pick up like a Hebrew Bible and just go, oh my gosh, here's everything that the prophets have spent years trying to, to preserve, but you will be able to pull out words and, and phrases and and really learn how to to conjugate and recognize letter forms in in a year's time of of studying Hebrew, but it that it's the whole point of the Bible is to make it. (laughs) This is going to come out wrong confusing enough that we come back to it year after year and keep studying it kind of a thing, and so yeah it, it is Hebrew the Hebrew Bible has like okay so like the English Bible. Like, yes, we can just read it, but at the same time, do we understand all of the underlying uh, things and patterns and things? No, that takes a lifetime of study, and so um, there's that kind of a a nuance to it. But all of the, we're going to be studying a lot of the numerical values of letters and words, and and all of the Hebrew context um, will, I mean... You, you, might memorize it all but uh, we're at least going to expose people in this first year of uh, of that but yeah you'll you'll definitely be able to to cite read words like pick out a word and be able to. pronounce it, even if you don't know it. kind of a thing uh, really learning the, the basics of, of Hebrew but yeah <laughs> it is, is quite challenging.
1: <laughs> well, i'm looking forward to it
0: i'm going to do it so easy, I mean this is like very basic uh, elementary level of what we're going to be studying.
1: Good, 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 good. Well, I'm excited. I just was thinking when I was listening to Tim Mackey today, I thought, and he was talking about all the nuances and everything and just how amazing and all the chiasms and all this. And I was like, They didn't have time for social media, even if they had like (laughs) this is what they did because they didn't have social media, they didn't have TV, they didn't have, you know, this is what they studied, this is what they how am I gonna write that? You know, and he was talking about how how you take this phrase and they use it somewhere else and they're building upon each other. I think. Did we talk about that too?
0: I think so. Did I show you my new tool that like does all of that? Like, oh my gosh, it's so
1: fun. He was talking about, and now they're building on each other. And I was like, "Oh my gosh!" All they did was study all the time.
0: What nerds!
1: (laughs) In the 1700s, they learned 14 and 15 languages, but in the BCs, they just studied Hebrew the whole time (laughs) Mm -hmm. to get everything.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I I, since you mentioned it, I'm I'm just going to share real quick. So this is the (laughs) logout software, and um. So here in the upper right hand corner is um, the citation wheel. And so uh, if you look at like Isaiah, for example, and and all of these like teal lines or aqua lines that go, these are every time that um, Isaiah is cited by any one of these other people. And so we have like the quotations. So these are all the times that somebody is actually verbatim quoting Isaiah. Um, this is all of the times that someone is alluding to Isaiah. Um, and then this is every time that an echo of Isaiah is coming forth. And so this is all of the uh, the Bible as, as long as long as well as apocryphal and pseudepigraphal texts as well. And so, I mean, it is just such a vast resource. And it's not just Isaiah. This is like everyone. So here's all of the echoes of Psalms. Here's all of the echoes of um, the the Exodus, the allusions to. Uh, anyway, it, it's such a a fun nerdy tool uh, to really look at um, how all of the prophets work together. And who's quoting who? Yeah,
1: that's super cool, super super cool. Um, and then um, Tim was saying too that the Hebrew Bible has different books than our Bible, so our Old mm. Testament.
0: Yeah. Exactly, and they're organized different. So, <laughs> sorry if anybody needs to leave your computer and listen to all my nerdy stuff. But um, in the Jonah class that, that I just started uh, taking with him uh, past couple of days, that um, he talks about just that how the the Tanakh is organized versus our modern Bible, and um, and he's pulling out. Quotes directly from Christ during His ministry, and when Christ mentions the the Old Hebrew Bible, how is He referencing it? He often talks about the prophets and the well, the Law and the prophets and the Psalms, or the Law and the prophets and the David. The oh, okay, yeah, in, and so
1: in the Ezra, He was calling it the Law, the prophets, and the writings, or uh-huh. something like the Psalms. Yeah,
0: yeah, and so. Uh, jesus never once calls it the writings because they they use the the term differently back then but um anyway so it, it's very interesting how we have like really reorganized that and so when when christ is quoting jonah for example which part is jonah in is he in the law in the prophets or in the writings because it's different from the torah to to now and and uh, or I should say, our Christian Bible, and so um, taking a look at that and how Christ is is using the scriptures, and and where he's actually referring to to things and prophecies about him. Um, but yeah, I, Tim Mackey's stuff is amazing. I love it.
1: Yeah. Well, I can't wait to um, start watching them.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. The they're,
1: they're yeah, those classes. Those look really really good. And I pulled up your com. Calm i shoot, Cosmism, and I haven't started those. I need to start those.
0: <laughs> if anybody's ready for those, those are, those are a trip. Holy cow. Uh, but so amazing. Like, everything that pops up, like, relates to Cosmism in, in some way. So, yeah. If anybody has time and wants to go on those deep dives with, with Wendy and I, it's been it's a fun ride
1: <laughs> oh see i bought i i started doing that deep dive last year and i told you i got the books and one of them came in it was the lds the non-lds version and i oh, was uh-huh. like hey but um and i started some of his classes but i'd watched all his youtube videos and i got kind of frustrated because his classes were everything i'd already heard in the youtube video oh yeah so, I, so i'd stopped but i and i and it kind of ooh. It kind of much, (laughs) yeah. Like it over, like I'm trying to figure this out. Like I know it's all symbolic, and yet I feel like it's not, and I just can't quite grasp it all yet.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, we've got some fun guest uh, speakers coming on to uh, help explain it and stuff here pretty soon. It, It, yeah, it's a fun one, but we're trying to do it super basic so that. Um, even beginners can, can come in on it and, and really learn. And
1: I get frustrated because um Anthony, what's his name? Anthony. Awesome. Yeah. And he says, now the temple means something completely new. And I'm like, I like how many times have I been to the temple? Like I can't even relate this to the temple yet. Like I'm just so yeah. used. <laughs> anyway, yeah. that's what I mean. Like my brain just isn't wired to go there yet trying to figure it out so Mm -hmm.
0: yeah well it's been fun we will uh, see everyone next year (laughs) when we pick it back up again if not sooner i'm sure we'll uh, cross paths in in different ways in december but um yeah
1: merry christmas merry christmas (laughs) happy new year all of the fun. Yeah. <laughs> Happy Thanksgiving. That's past. I don't know.
0: I'm <laughs> it all into one.
1: Yeah.
0: But, yeah. all right. Well,
2: have a great week, everyone. Happy holidays. <laughs> we'll see you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye.